Welcome to the Wellcast. The world has a lot to say. We're bringing a biblical perspective to those conversations. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellcast. As always, I am Mike Sirisoni, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Hogue. Jordan, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I had kind of a big thing happen in my world recently okay. where um, we're doing some yard work and things were going really well. Okay. And the guy who was helping me, awesome dude from our gym, was just like, oh, I want to help. I want to help do yard work. He, he was like lifting trees and he's stuff? He's a sweetheart, man. Yeah, okay. And he, um, I said, hey, we'll get you anything for lunch as a thank you, obviously. He's like, oh, I love pineapple on pizza. Oh, and my. I've always been told... Dude, it sucks. Don't yeah. eat pineapple on pizza. And it so I was like, suck. okay, whatever, man. He's helping us. We'll do it. I tried it, and I really like it. No. I really like it. Dude. I'm sorry. I and don't even... I mean, we could still be co-hosts, you know, but K-A-O I don't think we could be friends. Yoshikawa is, you know, one of my closest friends, and he is very Hawaiian. And he almost walked out of the room when I told him that. I felt like I had to confess to him. I want to walk out, but I can't because we're recording. We got to do this podcast. Yeah. But I'm just letting everybody know, like, I'm a different guy now. That's like, a, I have a diff- this is my new identity. That's a, I, I've heard you <laughs> confess a lot of things. That, that's so right anyways, up, up to the line. As man. far as useless uh, information goes, I'm a pineapple and pizza guy now. Oh, my god! But it's not my favorite combination. I'll just eat if it's there. Oh. So if that's any consolation. Pepperoni and bacon, all time best. Do you like Canadian bacon? No, no, breakfast bacon. Okay, yeah, I can get down. Yeah, it's really good. But what have you added Canadian bacon to that? I'm not a Canadian bacon fan because it goes okay. with pineapple on pizza. Yeah. It's like, and I don't like that. Oh, uh, well, so. pizza's kind of just a ranch delivery system for me most of the that's time. That's true. So. Yeah, <laughs> as much ranch as possible. <laughs> so let's be honest, that's most food. I'm basically trash. Wings and yeah. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> What's the quickest way to get ranch from table to mouth? <laughs> Pizza. Pretty pretty soon he's just gonna grab the spoon. Yeah, spoon I'm gonna have <laughs> like spoons that are just pizza. Yes, <laughs> and you just eat it. Like the waffle spoons. Like there's somebody ice cream so out grossed out on the other side of I this know. right now. But that's okay. And they have a whole uh, worse view of you. <laughs> yeah, buy me some ranch. I actually prefer. I'm trying to go Bolt House Ranch because it's a lot more healthy. It's yogurt oh, based. You're not yeah. a Hidden Valley guy. But well, it tastes better. But what I've been doing is i've been putting sriracha in it and yeah. really it doesn't matter the ranch you put enough sriracha in it it just burns this is a fun fact about me i'm a ranch snob actually really yeah dude I you're really extra trash i like this. i am like hidden valley that type of that genre of yeah. ranch is my jam if you it gets buttermilk if yeah it definitely buttermilk a uh, big buttermilk guy you're if, beefy boy that's what it, you are <laughs> If you gotta it, feed the beef. If it goes like the dilly route or the vinegary route, I'm out. Here's the deal. I didn't even know dill was in it. Yeah. Man, oh, yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. All right. So, well, yeah. hey, for our listeners, you know, comment below. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> ranch your, do you what, like? Are you a ranch person? That's right. Like, what kind of ranches? Yeah. That's right. Hey, we're uh, we're kicking off a new series yeah, this week. We're not totally just, unrelated. No. <laughs> we are not just hey, talking about ranch, ranch and <laughs> pineapple on your pizza, which is gross, by the way, for the record. Okay. Um, but we're kicking off a new series on the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just, we were sitting around talking about what we wanted to do next. And, and this just, this series is, is really where God has me at right now. Like embracing the promises of God, the character of God. Yeah. And really it came out of me asking the question, okay, what, what does it look like for God to be good? Yeah. Like, uh, we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but 
my daughter uh, is is battling cancer right now, and and we're really grateful. You know, she's nine years old. We're really grateful that it's a, a very positive prognosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, all indications are this this thing isn't going to take her life, and that she's going to have a full recovery. And we're really grateful, and she's moving in the right direction. All of that, but you know, it's scary when you sit down and you start asking yourself, okay. What? How do I have as a as a as a dad? How do yeah. I have meaningful conversations with my nine year old who's saying things like, "Daddy, I don't want to die." Yeah. And I started asking so heavy. asking the question. Well, I know God is good, mm-hmm. even even with all that we're going through. But but if she died, or because we're going through what we're going through, what does God's goodness look like in the midst of that? And He just kept bringing me back to the promises and the character, mm-hmm. the, the promises that he makes. Jordan, he makes over 7,000 promises in mm. his word, depending on, you know, whether you think some are for Israel and some are for us, like whatever, yeah. but oh, 7,000 promises. And uh, so I just, I just thought it'd be good for us to, to talk through some of those. He's a God of promise. And I think in the good and the bad, and yeah, I mean, Thanks for sharing that with the listeners. Yeah. You know, obviously that's your story to share. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been going through it, man. And I can't yeah. imagine what it would look like to stare my daughter in the eyes and sort of, you know, like say no matter what happens. Yeah. It's good. Well, my kid's tough. She's she's uh, incredibly tough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, it's brought us take closer together as a family and closer together with God. And Yeah, so. I think sometimes the promises of God feel like... Um, like a handhold, mm-hmm. you know, in the storm. Yeah, that you may not know sort of which way the wind's gonna whip you, but uh-huh. he he's like, he gives you things to hold on to. I think that's a good analogy. Um, and or you know, if there is quicksand around you, um, the stabilizing factor is the is the rope, right? Mm-hmm. Or it is the the tree branch across the, the whole pit, anything like that, right? And so I, you know, I think sometimes in certain circles, um. Uh, Christianity becomes very motivational speakery mm-hmm. where you've got some guy on a stage that's beautifully lit who's jacked out and is like, look, here's the promises of God for you. And yeah. like, you know, it's a production that looks like how's, you know, how is Christianity going to benefit you 101 mm-hmm. and not necessarily dealing with the hard stuff. Yeah, But I think where these motivational promises sort of rubber meets the road in, in importance it's when the actual hard things of life are intersected with the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the, the beauty of God's promises, right? We're a promise society, mm-hmm. right? We, we make deals and we sign our, our name on a, on a piece of paper and mm-hmm. we make a promise that yeah. we're going to pay what or fulfill our end of the bargain or whatever that looks like. But God's promises are so much more valuable than our promises. Yeah, and after a series on religions, right, world religions and how they compare with Christianity, how to reach your friends, Mm -hmm. we felt like we really wanted to move in a direction that felt very personal and practical. Yeah. And so we're excited about this, right? Like what it could do for the believer in the everyday life. And like I said, we want to be people who want to wrestle with the text in all of its entirety and then gain motivation for through God's promises. 
Yeah, and and so you know, promise number one this week. Let's let's dive in. Uh, mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna walk through God's word a little bit and really draw out the the practical implications for for yeah. what God's word says and what it, what it means to us. So uh, in in promise one is that God loves His children unconditionally, mm-hmm. and it, it comes out of a promise that that God makes in Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine, and and it says this. It says, "For I am convinced that neither death nor life." nor angels, nor principalities, nor the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so God loves his children unconditionally. Jordan, as we read that, what's, what are your, I mean, what are your observations? What hits you as you read through that promise of God? I think first is that no matter your personality, you're going to read this very differently. Hmm. Right. And you and I were having a conversation earlier about our personalities and yeah. how it works. And um, we all have environment and disposition and things of our personality that shape us throughout our lives. And, yeah. um, you know, my personality is I have a hard time believing because of my own like sinful natures, my addiction, the fleshly side of me. Um, I have a I don't have necessarily like a performative desire for God where I feel like I need to earn his love with um, like, like by being like doing certain things in ministry or anything. Um, well, maybe I do. I, I just think a lot of times that manifests as me feeling like maybe God is near or close to me based. I think as I'm talking out loud, I'm realizing it's kind of the same. <laughs> uh, God is near or close to me based on, how faithful I am to him that day mm. and that um, it is my choice towards uh, my own sin or it is my choice to be in the word with him or in prayer, whether or not he is frustrated, mad, angry, or doesn't even want to be around me. Yeah. And that can be a lot of weight to carry, right? Yeah. And and I think it's weight that, that God doesn't mean for us to carry. I mean, mm-hmm. the very fact that Paul says this is is his way of going, look, I, I love the language that Paul uses. It's it's similar to the language that you see in the Shema and Deuteronomy 6. It's like he uses all these, um, uh, all, all of these like uh, mutually exclusive language type uh, things where <laughs> that was very descriptive, mutually <laughs> exclusive, exclusive language uh, here to to show that that there is nothing. Like he, he talks about... Um, height nor depth and he talks about uh, is being quite extensive right yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's height, like let's not leave anything up to question well here. and it's like prince it's like angels or demons it's like uh present or future it's like everything is mutually exclusive that he's talking about here and he's he's trying to say there's nothing inside like outside of the circle of god's love for his children. Mm-hmm. And that's a big disclaimer because, you know, a lot of times people will think, well, I'm a child of God. Like I'm, you know, God created everybody mm-hmm. or you're a child of God and everybody's a child of God. And that's not true because the passage ends with which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the idea of, of there's nothing that can take away God's love mm-hmm. because what, God sees when he looks at you is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing when you're a follower of Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the qualifier here. Yeah. It is like, it it is that God's love is a flowing stream. Yeah. 
and Paul is systematically listing off, and his his flowing stream of love is directed towards his children. Yeah, and Paul's listing possible things that we think would damn that up for us, right? Yeah. And we think that would uh, block the flow of that stream of love towards us. And he's and he's like, no, 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 no. It is towards you in Christ. And you are the like you're the object of his massive amount of love. Yeah, and he's listing he's listing things that would apply, you know, to all of us, but specifically to obviously the people he's writing to. Mm-hmm. But you could add so many things nowadays, right? No, mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's not not your sin, not not how much you do for the the kingdom, not yeah. not what you whether you opened your Bible today. Nothing. And and we're not we're not trying to say opening your Bible is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing but it's not a qualification for God loving you. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a hard time with this passage myself. Uh, you know, we've, we've uh, documented quite extensively on this podcast that I'm an achiever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what, what that come, when that comes to bear, I, I really, I really love the Bible verses that talk about the things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that we're going to have uh, jewels in heaven. I love the fact that, that, uh, you know, we have obedience is something that God wants from us. I love all of that stuff because for me, that's something for me to do. We've talked about the Mary and Martha passage, right? I'm very much like Martha. Like I want to be doing stuff. I want to earn stuff. I want to, I want to show my value, my worth. And, and, uh, and I don't like passages that talk about how, uh, my deeds are like filthy rags I don't like passages like this, which is like, okay, you don't actually like what you do has no bearing on how much God loves you. That doesn't mean we're not to do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to to strive to be holy like God is holy. We are. But I just, for me, I, as an achiever, I really, really struggle with the fact that God loves me even when I fail. Yeah. And the truth is, he does. And in, and actually, the Bible says that my weaknesses, you know, gl- give him glory. Yeah. His power is perfected in your weakness. Yeah. And I in Romans, right, uh, I believe it's in chapter 5 earlier where he says that while you were yet in sin, while you were a sinner, he died for you. Yeah. And so, like, there's this idea that um, as a believer, I am, you know, making a poor decision or I am, like, choosing the flesh over life with God. And... You think like in that moment, well, he's separate from you. No, he is next to you, yeah. calling you home lovingly. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love all the questions in this passage that lead up to here. And in if you read even further back, thirty three and thirty four say, "Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns?" Like, I mean. How often do people live in either regret of past or the fear of the future? Yeah. And if Satan is the one who condemns, if he's the deceiver, right, he will, he'll, he'll heap shame and guilt upon you in ways that separate you, at least in knowledge, from God. Yeah. And he will convince you that actually these things can get in the way of the love of God. And like we, we end up, the Bible talks about it, godly guilt, worldly guilt, mm-hmm. right? Godly guilt is a thing. 
it is a conviction that turns you towards repentance, that turns you back towards him. Right. But worldly guilt is one that holds on, saying either, one, I'm not worthy of his love, mm-hmm. um, it, that he's not pleased with me, that he doesn't love me, he doesn't want to be with me and walk with me because of who I am or what I've done. And then we end up trying to atone for the sins that Christ has already atoned for on the cross. Yeah. And we end up not letting go of the things that he's already forgiven us of. And we end up heaping shame upon ourselves and essentially become ineffective kingdom workers. Well, and and realistically, if if we don't understand this promise that that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love, mm-hmm. then then we're not living out the gospel. Like mm-hmm. the good news is that is that it's not about us. It's not about it's not about what we've done. It's not about mm. it's not about who we are. It's not about whether or not we're good enough. The, the gospel is that, that Jesus is good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's, I think there's probably some people listening like me who that makes complete sense in their head. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that is, yeah, of course. Right. I, I don't have any problem with that as a head knowledge, but you know, it's a, it's a long journey from the head to the heart. And, and I think for me, I really think that there are people out there that, that probably are walking day to day and it feels like the love of God is like a tide rising and falling mm-hmm. and, and rising and falling. And, and the thing that, that's creating this get gravitational pull of, of whether or not God, God's love is at an all-time high or an all-time low yeah. is what they do, yeah. is their decision. So I... Woke up in the morning and I, uh, I was doing great, and then I fell into the sin pattern that I find myself falling into, and so because I did that, God's love has has decreased for me, mm-hmm. uh, and and then then I, I read my Bible and and I I spent some time in prayer, and so so God's God's love increased for me, and and I think you know if we play that out throughout the day, and then we multiply that by 365 days, and then we multiply that by 80 years. Think of all the weight that people who are listening to us right now mm-hmm. are carrying to feel like they're the determining factor yeah. of the love of the God of the universe. Yeah, like that's tough. Yeah, that's really hard. Yeah, I I think like I have a really low self regard just as a human being. Like I've I don't know. I, I think there's obviously like abandonment issues. There's mm. things that have happened in my life that I think have taught me whether bullying or um, really difficult just lessons I've had to learn in relationships with others that make me think. You know, I was even reflecting on this the other day about like why I'm not very active on social media. And I think when I boiled it down, it was like, well, I don't care. I don't think people care. I'd like to be like, I don't care about social media. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, I don't think people actually care about my life. Mm. I don't think they want to see what's going on. They don't care. Yeah. And when I read this, I think like, oh, man, like, I wonder how many other people feel just unlovable, Mm. you know, lonely, um, sad, or at times feeling like they just like don't have the affection that they've always desired. Yeah. They don't have the approval that they've always desired from that person or thing or people. And this can hit home in ways that feel astounding and uplifting when you realize that the God and all those people who hurt you, all those 
things that seem to go against you didn't even know your whole story. Yeah. Don't even know the interest. They don't know the worst stuff. Right. And God knows the worst stuff. Yeah. He sees the worst stuff. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine in ways that not even death can get in the way of. Yeah. And I love I, I love the the language that Paul uses to even start this verse. Because you're right. He, he he's he's actually ending a section uh, of of scripture where he's assuring his readers that that they have victory over the things of this world. Mm-hmm. And and yet he, he in verse 38, I, I love that he, he uses the language for I am convinced. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in his mind. And he wants to pass along that assurance. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, when I'm battling um, anxiety or I'm battling uh, my my inner critique, which, by the way, sounds like different people in my life. It's never me in my mm-hmm. own voice. It's usually the voice of other people uh, in my life. But but when I'm battling that inner critique, it's like, no, Paul wanted to pass down an assurance that no matter how you see yourself right now, God, the God yeah. of the universe, the, the one person whose opinion of you actually matters mm-hmm. loves you. Mm-hmm. And in Christ Jesus, there's nothing you can do to lower or lessen his love. Yeah. And there's also nothing you can do to gain more of his love. He loves you more than you ever imagined right now. There is nothing we didn't we don't earn his love. Yeah. So there's nothing like for for us achievers out there, there is nothing I want to say this very clearly. <laughs> there is nothing you can do to earn more of God's love than you already have right now. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's powerful. And then we just work out of that love, right? We we do things because we want to, not because we feel the the weight of earning the love of the God of the universe. Now there's a um, there's this like story. I, I we had dinner with some friends whose families they're first generation immigrants from Lebanon, mm. and there was a civil war there for a long time. And there's this story I read um, recently that reminded me of a conversation we had with them. That's about these prisoners who they would um, take out every day. Mm. And they would point a gun at their head and say, this is it. And every day they lived in a fear of like, are they actually going to pull the trigger? And they'd remove it and laugh at them. Mm. But the the deep anxiety of what's going to happen next. And then the war ends and they wake up every day wondering, is that, is today that like, you know, they're, they're free. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're, they're in their bed with their family Mm -hmm. and, they wake up being like, is, the, is that the gun to my head? And I, I just, I, I hope that the, the reality of God's love, like the reality of their freedom, can be something that is, is transformative. Yeah. And that you don't wake up in this old mindset that feels like the gun's to your head. You don't feel like you're, you're going to have to perform today. You don't feel unlovable today. Yeah. And that, that, that begins to transform you. And when you think about God's love, I mean, we're in the Lenten season. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like him on the cross. Mm-hmm. Him willing to, not needing to, but willing to do anything to be with you. Yeah. Including death. Yeah. And uh, and I, yeah, I just, man, I, I think if I really believed this, there would be so much freedom. Mm. You know? Yeah. Levity. <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's and the word the, the word is freedom because the the truth is we have to fight against the status quo of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? From an early age. I mean, I picture little Jordan running around in a diaper 
and and <laughs> how does it look? How do you look? <laughs> it's a it's a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now everybody's picturing you in a diaper, but oh, no. hopefully not grown little up. Little Jordan. Please. Yeah. Hopefully it's little Jordan. <laughs> but but that that little Jordan grew up, mm-hmm. and he went to his first day of kindergarten. And as you know, you probably ate paste and <laughs> some sand from the playground. Oh, for sure. Um, but that little Jordan got his first report card. Mm-hmm. And who he was is now defined based on what letters are on that report card or yeah. numbers. I guess now they use numbers. We get, you know, threes and fours. It's like, okay, that's just eight. <laughs> um, but but the point is that from an early age, you you're ingrained with this performance mentality of like, I my value and worth is defined by what I can provide to whoever yeah. has expectations of me. And so that's a lot of weight. And then you, then, then little Jordan gets, gets bigger. He's not five anymore. Now he's, he's 15 and he's playing high school baseball. And, and now every time he shows up to the field for game day, he's looking at the lineup card to determine whether or not he's shown the coach that he's worthy of being in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if you were like me. I was never the best player on my team, mm-hmm. but I worked hard and, and, you know, I was one of those guys that was in the lineup more than I was not, but I didn't play every single game. And so I would show up and, and I remember there were, there was one time I, I was a freshman in college and I literally, I, I went 10 for my first 10, but I was pinch hitting. So one at bat for the first 10 games and I went 10 for 10 and my coach is like, I can't keep you out of the lineup. Like I was a freshman Mm -hmm. and he's like, I can't keep you out of the lineup. Well, I started the next game, Hancock college. I remember like it was yesterday and I struck out my first three times (laughs) start the first game I ever started struck out three times and I found myself back on the bench and it's like, wow, it's just ingrained in us that if we fail, there are consequences mm-hmm. and that consequences is a lack of a, pr- a loss of approval or yeah. a loss of value in yeah. whatever system you find yourself at. I mean, work is the same way for most people, right? If you don't meet sales goals or, or, you know, you don't, uh, bake good enough cakes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, people aren't going to affirm you or give you value for what you do. And so I think we just have to battle against the, the world's, uh, way of of providing value and worth and and love. Mm-hmm. It's just something that is so natural to us. Yeah. Um, well, even for our parents, right? We grew up with flawed. Even if our parents were great, they're flawed. They're sinful. Yeah. And they have tendencies, and they place things on you that maybe aren't fair. Or sure. They have their own issues. Yeah. And we just don't know the possibilities out there for a perfect father. Yeah. Who we does can, not we judge can do a whole podcast on, on that. performance, right? <laughs> Just wait till your kid starts playing like actual like competitive sports, man. Yeah. Oh, oh. T ball's not competitive. No, no. T ball is not quite there. <laughs> but it's my tough, kid hits man. dingers, bro. I have not repented. I have not repented more for anything to my kids uh, than I have this season with my daughter mm. uh, because of the expectations I place on her to to be good at a sport that I was good. Yeah, at. and I think I say that just to be like. I agree with you. Like yeah. we don't have any frameworks for this in the world. No. Like that nothing you do to mm-hmm. get in the way of my love. Yeah. And even the kids you love unconditionally make you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. It's just not who God is. I don't you have know? any hair. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, you have a lot of problems. I pulled it out yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, 
let me encourage you with this, and I guess we'll leave off, is just if if this is something that strikes true with you, memorize these verses. Yeah. Get them in your heart. Do the best you can to remember these and to be aware of when you feel like you're striving in ways you don't need to anymore. Mm -hmm. You woke up today different than tomorrow. You're not in the prison of the law anymore. Yep. You can wake up in freedom. Yeah, and when you fail, just remember that God's love doesn't diminish. Yeah. I think it's still the same. And the, the definition of how much God loves you is just found in the person of Jesus Christ and what he mm-hmm. did on the cross. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. We hope this ministers your soul and that you would share it with a friend. Uh, leave a like, comment, subscribe, all the things. All the things. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wellcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. For more information about the Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.